Thank you, Father, for your amazing love for us. The blood of your Son, Jesus, shed on the cross for us. Risen from the dead, that we should have life. And we thank you that you are alive, and because of you, we too, who have placed our hope and our faith in you, are alive in you. In your precious name, amen. Well, good morning. I, uh, for some time now, have been weighing out uh, some serious theological questions, trying to understand who our Lord is and His character. And one of the questions that I have that runs deep is, why is it that God loves the Boise State Broncos so very much? It is obvious from Scripture that they have been given every spiritual blessing. I thought Israel were the chosen ones, but obviously the Broncos are chosen to be awesome and incredible. And I started to realize as I thought about the Boise State Broncos that God loves us just as much. And that's what we're looking at in Ephesians. Chapter 1 is the love of God for you and me. All that He has done for us, all that He has poured out into our lives, and that we don't get so much wrapped up in in predestination and election and how that all plays out, but that hopefully you would see that from the beginning of time, before the foundations of the world, that God set out a plan that you would know his love. That's what Ephesians is about. And then how to live that out. As we come to know Christ, and as we have received him, and as we have fallen in love with him, how do we live that out? Because he has made us alive, because he's alive. I want you to to turn, if you haven't already, and and I want you to underline something about, uh, as we get into chapter 1 a little more. We talked about this last week, I just want to do a little... A little refresher with you. The Lord says through Paul, He uses Paul to give us this letter, and He says, we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And if you have a little pen or something with you, I I really want you to underline every, because I want you to be reminded that you as a child of God, those who have put their faith in the Lord, that God has poured all of himself out upon you and you have received every, you're not lacking, spiritual blessing. And it's it's a done deal. It's not like you're going to get some more. It's, I said last week, it's in the aorist tense. It's something that happened. It took place. And it has ongoing effect in your life, now and for the future. You have every spiritual blessing and we talked about what some of those were last week. We saw just in the, the greeting, His grace is poured out upon us. That's a spiritual blessing. His peace, being right with God, that's a spiritual blessing. And then He says, you are chosen in Him. That's a spiritual blessing. He's set that out. That 
He loves you and He wants you to be in relationship with Him. And you are chosen. Many who felt rejected in their lives, that nobody wanted them, that nobody wanted relationship. And what God is trying to say is, I choose you. How that weighs out in the whole scheme of things, His choosing and our free will, again, I don't totally know. But I do know He loves you. And He wants that relationship. And He's going to continue, Paul is going to show us, what these spiritual blessings look like. Verse 5. In love. Again, boy, if you guys are missing it, Don't. In love. In love. Why? Because of God's love. Because of who He is. In love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. And don't miss those love words. His pleasure. His joy. From the core of who He is. He predestined us to be adopted. He Set beforehand, that's the idea of predestination, and Jackson's going to give us some more insight into that next week. But beforehand, he had a plan set out in the knowledge that he had, a plan of his perfect love being poured out to mankind. It's not an accident, is what he's saying. Nothing is just like, oh, let's maybe try to work this out. From the very beginning of time, before we were even a breath, what blows me away is that God had this whole purpose set out for us. This plan of love to pour out to His creation, you and me, that we would be able to come before a holy God and enter into that Abba-Daddy relationship and have salvation and life now and for eternity. We are adopted. He planned for us to be adopted, to be taken in, to be chosen. It is not an accident. It's not an accident that we're chosen or adopted. It's not an accident that Jesus went to the cross. Set beforehand, the Trinity, as they purposed together, said, Jesus, it's going to take you on the cross to make this right. Because we know these dear children are going to run away. And we need to set beforehand because my love is too strong that I can't be separated from these beautiful ones. I want to provide a way. Even before we were a breath, you are adopted. In love. Don't forget that. You know, what, what is it that comes with adoption? Some of you I know in this room have been adopted and, and some of you are, are parents who have adopted children. And, and I've heard from both sides what, what a gift and what a joy and what it means to be part of that family. It was a serious matter in the time of Rome and, and how they viewed it. And this is kind of the mindset that was going on as Paul speaks of adoption. It was, a, it was a public affair that would take place. It wasn't done in secret. William Barclay 
share some ideas of what would actually take place, in the, especially in the Roman arena, in the Roman context. What would happen is one would say, I want to adopt this child, and the father of the family would, would go and meet with the, the father of the other family, and they would have a, basically a ceremony. And the father of the other family before them would be these scales and copper for weight. And the father who, who was to give his child to be adopted, he would, in symbolism, he would, he would sell his child to the adoptive parent. And they would weigh the scales. And then he would buy his child back. And then again he would sell his child for a second time. And then he would buy him back. And then a third time he would sell his child. And that time the adoptive father would take the child and it would not be able to be bought back. This new father had bought this child, chosen and paid for, and it was a very serious matter in Roman culture. And then the adoptive father would go before the magistrates and say this is the situation that worked out with the adoptive family. And then only after all of that process was the adoption complete. You are in love, adopted, chosen, beautiful child. I want you to be part of my family. Paid for. And the consequence of that adoption was that this child now had all the rights, all of the rights, as a legitimate son in the new family. There may have been other siblings. This adopted child had every single right and honor as this, the other siblings had. Think of that in context of Jesus, the son of our Lord. And we are adopted into that family. That kind of blows my mind. We're taken in as sons, daughters, with all the rights, all the honor, all the, the value as the son of our Lord, Jesus. You are adopted. In the eyes of the law and the Roman culture, that child literally was a new person. All of the debts and obligations from the old family were covered they didn't exist anymore. There was no more obligation. There was no more connection. There was no more relationship with the old family. You're wiped clean, and before the law, it never existed. Any debt, any payment, any connection, you now belonged. And so Paul says, in love, he adopted us, and we became part of God's family. That's who you are. Remember, this is a lot about our identity in Christ. That you cannot miss who you are. 
and let the Spirit keep ministering to you. I'm a child of God. As I've believed upon Him, I'm His child. I've received His love. He's done it all. I've received His love. And He wants you to know who you are. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as sons. Now, some people struggle with sons. You know, we're kind of like, where's the gender equality here? Really? Tim Keller wrote an article, and he encountered a woman who, who was dealing with this gender equality situation, and, and she, she actually was saying, oh, to me, this is a beautiful passage. It doesn't, it doesn't stir me as a woman that it says sons. She wasn't from Western culture. She was from a culture that, that women were second class. She lived in a family that her brother, it was very well known, he would receive all of the honor. He would receive all of the inheritance. The sons do. He would be the one who would be elevated. The son. And she said as she read this passage, that the Lord spoke to her. And he's saying to her as a woman, and this was the culture that Paul was in, right? Girls, women were second class. And you are adopted as sons. Dear women, you are given that value. That's who you are. You are given the same honor as sons. You will be placed in the family as one of great worth. You are not second class by any means. That's who you are. And that is the way God views us. Gentlemen, ladies, that's our identity in Christ. Sons before the Lord. Our adoption means that we are loved like Christ is loved. Do you believe that? Has God spoken that to your heart? The Father loves you like He loves His beloved Son, Jesus. And you have all the same value of Christ. We know that Christ is a Savior, and we know He's the one who paid the price for our sin. We know that. We're not elevating ourselves to any sort of God status, but we are elevating ourselves, and God is elevating us to Son status. And I adopted you in. And the beautiful thing about adoption, right, is I chose you. I chose you. I went out of my way to choose you. Let me tell you, Paul is saying, who you are in Christ. You are loved like Christ, dear children. You are honored like Him. Your circumstance does not hinder or threaten that promise. And look at this. All in accordance with His good pleasure and His will. I started to think about the adoptive parent in this whole scene of adoption. And the pleasure and the will, the desire. 
I thought of, as I, again, I've talked with many parents who have adopted, and, and, and the, the, the going to the orphanage and, and walking around and seeing the children, and, and then God stirs in the heart, can I take this one? Sometimes there's just a child that you know that you're going to get. You can't wait. But think about it, and think about God the Father. All the anticipation of that. All, all of the excitement of that. All of the love and the emotional... Uh, you know what it's like, those you, of you who've adopted. It's an emotional cost. And you know what? It's a financial cost that really... It, it, it's astronomical, the amount it costs. But as adoptive parents... You say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I will pay anything for this child. I will go through all of the emotional angst to, to, to have this child be part of my family. I'll pay anything. Do you hear the heart of the Father? That's who He is. I've adopted you. I long for this child. It will be an incredible cost, but it is in his pleasure and in his will to adopt this one. Man, that's amazing love. Don't miss it. You are chosen. Spiritual blessing. You are predestined in love to be adopted, chosen, adopted, spiritual blessing. He's pouring it out on us before the creation of the world. Why did God, who created us, need to adopt us? Well, we belonged to another family, didn't we? We belonged to the Adams family. And that line was full of sin. We needed to be into a new family. That line was enslaved to sin. We're part of a new family. All that was owed, all of the debt, any connection to the old family is wiped out. That's why he needed to adopt us and wanted to adopt us. That sin needed to be paid for. And he chose us, and he willingly paid the price. From the foundations of the world, I will send my son Jesus because I want to be able to choose, and I want to be able to adopt, and it has to be all in my son Jesus. None of it would take place without what Christ did for us on the cross. His blood shed for us so that we could become a new creation. You see, our adoption into a new family is, is not a right we have. It's nothing but grace, isn't it? Adoption really is a word of grace. And that's what Christ has poured out upon us. And you see, as Paul is thinking this through about who his heavenly Father is, and as he's trying to pass this on to you and to me, and he's saying, 
Do you see all that God has done for us? And do you see who you are becoming and are as you have rested in his love and received his love? Do you understand who you are? And you can't help but say this. All to the praise of his glorious grace. Because that's what adoption is. It's a word of grace. God, it's all because of your grace. It's all because of who you are. All to the praise of your glorious grace. Grace, grace, unmerited, unfavor, just in God's favor, undeserved. Nothing that we've done. You can't do enough. And he's saying, I choose you. This is who we are in Christ. Don't miss the cost. The cost is his son. The cost is his son so that he could have more sons. Do you see it? I will have the payment paid through my son Jesus so that I might be able to have more children into my family. What a beautiful image of grace. We are chosen, we are adopted because of his sons, all before the foundation of the world, all to his glorious grace, because look at this, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches. Man, look at these words. You got, it's just God pouring out on us. His riches of God's grace. In His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we have redemption. That's, that's a ransom. It's ransoming a man or a woman who's been enslaved or imprisoned. It's freeing a person from the penalty of death. The big idea is that one is being freed who is powerless to, to free himself. You cannot get out of this. Every spiritual blessing in Christ has been given to you chosen, adopted, redeemed. You are bought with a price. You are no longer your own. Our life is His. All to the praise of His glorious grace. Last year at Azusa Pacific College, three students were called into the office of the president, John Wallace. And they, they were, these three students were going to go, after they graduated from Azusa last year, and they were going to go to India to serve in the poorest parts of India and just give their lives for several years to say, God, we feel like you're calling us to India to do this, to give up our time and our resources and just to go because you're calling us to do this. And so they went. And they came to the office of John Wallace, the president, and they thought they were going to be commissioned. There was three of them. And he said, Suzanne, come here. 
And he said, you are forgiven your debt of $105,000. Go and serve the Lord. Jonathan, come here. You are forgiven your debt of $70,000. Go and serve the Lord. Michelle, come here. Your debt has been paid of $130,000. All covered. Go and serve the Lord. He's paid our debt so that we can be freed up and have life. He is alive, and because He is alive, we are alive as we believed upon Him. That is the payment. His beloved Son. And all three of those students were ambushed by grace. It's true of you and me. Jesus wants to ambush us with grace and pour it out. You are forgiven your sins. You see, you can't get out of the snare of death and sin, and you are being buried alive in sin unless we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he says, I've paid that price, and you are no longer enslaved, but you are freed. You can live in freedom to the praise of his glorious grace. Do you see it? I'm coaching football again this year. I want to show you a picture of my son, Joshua. I want to tell you about the name of our team. We are sponsored. Every team is sponsored in the Optimus League. And the name of our team is called Bought by the Blood. Literally. It's big logo on our shirt. We show up every Saturday with this that says Bought by the Blood. And actually, underneath the logo, it says, it says right here down at the bottom, it says, He is risen. And so every day, and every time my son and, and the whole team goes out, we go out knowing we're bought by the blood. We're not able to get the image. It might be stuck. But here he is, knowing his identity. And then, and then he, and the guys on the team, they, they take the ball, and then they run with it. And they run in freedom. They know exactly who they are. We are bought by the blood. And every, literally every practice we sit down and say, guys, let's not forget what we're doing this for. We're not just playing football. We have all these beautiful Coal Valley Christian kids, 17 of them. Say, it's not just about football. It's about being bought by the blood. Let's live our lives now for him. He has paid the price. The forgiveness of sins, look at this, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It doesn't say out of the riches of God's grace. It says 
in accordance with, and I don't want you to miss this, there's a difference. If you just say out of his riches, if he had millions of dollars, he could give you a hundred. But it says in accordance with. That means in line with. That means that it measures to exactly who he is. What he's saying is, God's riches never end. His spiritual blessings never end. He has poured out everything on you. And what he's saying is, this forgiveness of sins out of his riches, what he's saying is, there, there is not a sin. There is not a, a pouring out of your sinful life. There is nothing that he cannot wash. It's out of the riches of his grace. He washes it all. And so, beloved, truly, if you're feeling like I've come to a place where it is so ugly, you need to hear from the Lord this morning. Out of all his love, his son on the cross, out of all of that, it is poured out. It is forgiven. If you will receive his love, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you shall be saved. We're going to have communion this morning, and I think it's a great morning to do that. In receiving his grace, in receiving his beauty, that he has, look at this word, lavished upon us. I have poured it out on you. It just overflows. It, it just can't stop being poured on. Nothing can't be cleansed in the blood of Jesus. And as we take communion this morning, there may be some of you that God has been tugging on your heart to, to know Him for the first time. And so, just before we start, I just want to pray this prayer, and the Lord may be saying, Come to me, dear child, and be washed. And pray this prayer with me, and come into the family of God, and then celebrate in communion all that God has done for you. Let me just pray. Pray this with your heart if you are at a place where you have been wanting to receive Christ. Lord Jesus, forgive me for sinning against you. Lord Jesus, forgive me for kicking and walking away and wanting nothing to do with you. But Lord, I thank you this morning that you have been stirring my heart and so, Father, I receive your love this morning. Lord Jesus, I invite you this morning into my heart as Lord and Savior, Jesus. Come and be Lord of my life. I don't even know what that means exactly. I don't know how this all works, but Lord, you've told me that you love me so much and that you forgive my sins as I believe upon you. You'll wash me. And so, well, Father, wash me this morning, I pray. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for making me a child of yours. Thank you for choosing me, Lord Jesus. Help me now to walk 
with you and in your love. Amen.